The real solution, of course, is not to throw DNR out the window and say, well, we shouldn't be using it. The real solution is to educate healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, residents, and make them understand more clearly that DNR does not mean do not treat. Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. You can see it. I mean, it's crystal clear. I think it's going to really revolutionize things. Which is a big game changer. All information discussed or provided by Jonathan Bakhtari, MD, Dr. Bakhtari, and or his affiliates and guests are for educational purposes only. The information discussed and provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical concern or condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of any information discussed or provided by Dr. Bakhtari or his affiliates and guests. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call 911 immediately. So welcome to another episode of Bakhtari MD. Today I'm going to do a follow-up on my video I did um, on DNR, Do Not Resuscitate. I'm going to provide a link to that so you can uh, check it out. Uh, but since you know we uh, published our study and did the podcast and, and show on DNR, people have asked me a lot of questions in terms of what they can do within their own families and friends to deal with some of the issues we brought up in the last video. So to quickly summarize that video, do not resuscitate is a status that patients can uh, accept upon themselves, which basically says in the event their heart or lung stops, they do not want heroic life support like CPR, shock, what we call ACLS, which is giving certain medications and putting a breathing tube down, meaning intubation and potentially being on a ventilator and then also getting blood pressure medicines to keep up your blood pressure. So these are kind of the heroics that we do when someone's heart or lung stops. So the question really is, what's wrong with that, if, if any, and what does the literature show? And I think that was the focus of our last video. I think what we figured out from looking at peer-reviewed studies published in very high-end medical journals was that while in the great preponderance of the cases, DNR is effective and needed, uh, there are some potential downsides. Now, let's first talk about the benefits of DNR. Clearly, there are people who, if they feel they have a certain illness with a certain prognosis uh, and, and, and doing DNR status will prevent them from being exposed to very heroic measures, which at the end of the day may not alter their course, that they would prefer not to have those procedures done to them. And that kind of makes sense. And truthfully, it is God sent in, 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 the, in the sense that it prevents people from getting futile care, which is not going to change the outcome of what's going on with them. And then, so it's a real blessing because it can prevent a lot of suffering, unnecessary suffering and side effects and trauma from having these th things done to you. So that is the amazing upside of it. So what are some of the downsides that we found in the studies? Well, to summarize all the studies, and again, I'll provide links in the studies below. The real downside is that, you know, DNR is not 
there's no standard way that DNR is offered to patients. So depending on what hospital you go to or what region of the country, you may not get a long discussion about DNR with your healthcare provider, or you may. So it's it's not standardized. It's not like, well, in all these cases, we recommend these patients be DNR. In all these cases, we don't. So there's no standard, and we see that variation. But what it really comes to matter is what we see is that a lot of healthcare workers view sometimes DNR as do not treat. So in other words, if you have a medical condition unrelated to the reason you were made DNR, you may not get aggressive treatments such as blood cultures, offered surgeries or procedures because you're already DNR. And that in itself can be an issue in terms of mortality. What some of these studies showed is some of these patients actually, because they weren't offered these other things and receive less aggressive care, that they actually had a slightly higher mortality depending on the study you looked at. Also, what's really interesting is when they surveyed healthcare workers like doctors and nurses and residents and gave them two scenarios of a patient, same patient identical, except one was DNR, one wasn't, but had the exact same medical condition. What they found is even in surveys, uh, medical healthcare workers said they would not offer care sometimes in things that were unrelated to why the patient was DNR. So I don't think this is very difficult to uncover because even if you do a survey, healthcare workers have often a predisposition, some do, uh, to say, hey, because the person is do not resuscitate, which means don't do heroics in case their heart or lung stops, to also let's not do um, extra testing or get a, a referral to a specialist or what have you because they're DNR. So there lies the dilemma. While DNR is amazingly effective and needed and prevents a lot of suffering and pain, there is probably a subset of patients that it theoretically hurts because they may not be offered treatments that would make them potentially live longer because they're DNR. Uh, And so the real solution, of course, is not to throw DNR out the window and say, well, we shouldn't be using it. The real solution is to educate healthcare workers doctors, nurses, residents, and make them understand more clearly, and a lot of them do, but to the ones that don't, more clearly that DNR does not mean do not treat, especially if the treatment is unrelated to the reason why they're DNR. So what can we do about this with our families, our loved ones, if we're in this situation, because it's all good and fine to say, well, this problem exists, but then what are we going to do about it on an individual basis? Uh, We can't just say the problem exists, so it is what it is. I think we as uh, family members and uh, advocates for loved ones who are in this situation need to have this understanding. If you don't know that there's a problem, there's no way you can begin to address it. And I think understanding that sometimes when someone is made DNR, they may or may not be offered care for things unrelated to their DNR status. So let's just say, for example, somebody has you know, lung cancer and they go to the hospital with a ruptured appendix. Well, I mean, depending on where they are in their course of their cancer, there should be no reason why that appendix is not treated exactly the same way. And even if they get surgery on the appendix, when post-operative complications set in, um, and you know every surgery has a set of potential post-operative complications to address those complications as aggressively as though the patient 
was not DNR because addressing complications from a surgery unrelated to anything that has to do with the DNR status, you know, shouldn't be a factor. So I think as an advocate for your family or for yourself or for a loved one, you have to really uh, make sure that you're communicating effectively with healthcare workers and letting them know that, yes, you know, we've decided uh, we don't want any heroics in case my loved one's heart or lung stops. That doesn't mean we don't want care for anything beyond that. And I think, you know, conveying that to your primary care doctor, to your hospitalist, conveying it to uh, even subspecialists that come and round on your relative, it's really, really important. And until we, you know, educate the medical community better and uh, get away from the subset of patients who are being given less care. And I think that's indisputable from these studies. Again, I, I recommend you look look at them down below. But until we can resolve that, I think the best advocate to, for the patient is going to be the patient and the patient's loved one and, and their friends and family. If they really only want DNR to apply when their heart or lung stops, but they want everything else, that's gotta be probably made clear early, frequently, often and to every provider that you can uh, obviously having a dialogue and just talking about it saying hey you know i understand we're not going to do any heroics in case the heart or lung stops but i just want to be clear i still want to get any diagnostic tests any procedures that are indicated uh, any medication that's indicated and to convey that uh, and have a discussion with your primary care doctor or hospitalist um, I think that will go a long way. Obviously, the long-term solution is we need to do a better job of educating a subset of healthcare workers and making them understand that just because um, your DNR doesn't mean uh, you don't get aggressive care. I think this becomes even more complicated in patients who have cognitive disabilities, as you know, some elders do. And so then the relative becomes even more important because if the doctor only walks in when the patient's there and they can't communicate these, you know, not so subtle concepts that would require more than a couple of words, it's very important that someone else speak for them if they can't fully convey that and uh, be their advocate. So the question I get is, you know, um, should I tell everybody like in the hospital that I meet this or should I just tell you know, maybe my main nurse or my main doctor. And what I would say is probably it's a good idea at some point to bring it up with every nurse, doctor, or healthcare worker that's really going to be involved in your care. You have to understand, like, for example, in the hospital, uh, the nurses change shifts often every eight to 12 hours. So in a week, you may have five, six different nurses. Uh, yes, sometimes it is the same nurse for three shifts in a row, but sometimes it isn't. And so you may actually have contact with four, five, six nurses in a week if you include uh, graveyard and during the day. And then you may have a hospitalist who's rounding on you, but on the weekend, you know, the, the, the other hospitalist is rounding on you. And there are many programs where the hospitalist is on for five days and off for five days. So you, you may get a new hospitalist who, who didn't hear all those conversations. And also specialists. So you may have three specialists on your case, a cardiologist and an infectious disease specialist and a neurologist. And guess what? All those people are going to have people covering for them on the weekends. And they may, you know, 
be off two days because they're in the clinic. So their colleague may be round, rounding for them. So especially, you know, as healthcare has changed and doctors are more likely to be employees with shifts and what have you. And I think I talked about that in a previous video. Uh, it's really important not to assume that one doctor that you're going to talk to is going to spread the word to the entire staff and make it clear your intentions. And I think there is a, a genial, nice way to bring this up with people you meet, both as an inpatient as an, and, and also as an outpatient. Uh, which uh, is very important. And even as an outpatient, you know, you may get referred to an orthopedic surgeon, orthopedic surgeon who may or may not be less aggressive or more aggressive because of your DNR status. So it's important to convey to them saying, uh, you know, I want uh, everything done uh, irrespective of this DNR thing that really doesn't preclude you from doing whatever you think. You know, DNR is really probably broken up in two major classes. People who are DNR who just based on principle, don't want heroics done if, if their heart or lung stops. Other people often become DNR because they actually have a terminal illness or have a chronic disease that's probably going to progress. And especially if you're in that first category where really there's nothing wrong with you, but you have, for whatever reason, have chosen that you don't want life support or heroics, uh, it's even doubly important that you convey uh, your wishes to have everything done. And then one other thing that we can talk about, and I think you you really need to talk to your primary care about this issue, is to uh, take a, like a D DNR vacation potentially. So let's say you're going in for a routine surgery just to have um, you know a minor orthopedic procedure done or something that's really unrelated to your overall health. You know, theoretically, uh, you could talk to your primary care doctor and say, listen, for this hospital stay, can I take a sort of a DNR vacation and have my DNR status removed uh, just so uh, I potentially uh, get all the care I need? In fact, in some states, actually, when if someone's having surgery, they actually call out for a DNR vacation during the pre and post operative period. Uh, so it's not a, it's not an idea that is necessarily bad it has to be used in the right situation with, with consultation with your primary care doctor to talk about hey i'm going in for this very simple procedure uh, has nothing to do and if there's post-operative complications from this i don't want my dnr status to impact that so that's another alternative uh, that you can use so to summarize um, i think it's important that you educate yourself on what dnr is let me just repeat i think by and large dnr is God sent and saves so much human suffering, unnecessary human suffering. And, you know, the vast, vast majority of time, uh, it's an amazing tool. It helps patients uh, in many ways. So what we want to really do is address the subset of situations where it could be detrimental based on these studies and address those, but uh, keep going with the DNR uh, status as a solution to help a lot, a lot of patients. Thank you for listening. You can check out my website, jonathanbakhtarimd.com to sign up for my newsletter. And you can watch this full episode over on my YouTube channel, BakhtariMD, where you can leave questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes. As always, be well. Thank you. Thank you.